Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we discuss the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, January 21st, 2023. This is show number 209, January 20th, 2023. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, this is our first Fairgrounds card this meet. Any thoughts on this prospect? Well, it's also really our first uh, dive into the Triple Crown Trail with the LeCompte Handicap. So this kind of kicks off our coverage of the Triple Crown Prep. So that's always an exciting part of the year. Um, And, you know, the Fairgrounds has put together a pretty good series of three-year-old preps for the Derby. This is the first of three that they have, and so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that this race is uh, the Lacombe is less than a mile and an eighth, <laughs> but um, you know because they've stretched everything out, but they have not stretched this race out. Uh, this is a mile and a sixteenth. Yeah, and uh, we would expect to see the horses that do well in here probably move on. To, I think the Risen Star is a mile and an eighth in their next start, and then uh, the, I think the third leg of their series is the Louisiana Derby, which is a mile and three sixteenths. And so since they kind of went to this new longer, you know, series of three races, uh, it's it's produced some top contenders pretty much every year. Um, So, I mean, I think a a lot, it's a, it's a good path to the Derby and some of the top connections have been taking advantage of it. And we'll probably see, you know, somebody in this race that might make some noise farther on down the Derby Trail or Triple Crown Trail, at least. Absolutely. Support the Sport of Kings podcast by contributing to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash sportofkings and donate as little as $3 per month. That's patreon.com slash sportofkings. Thank you for your support. And we have a special guest. He's the on-air analyst for Fairgrounds and Churchill Downs. He's Joe Christofek. Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, it's great to be on with you guys, and it's uh, great to be in position to dissect a sensational card from New Orleans. You know, the Lecomte, Risen Star, Louisiana Derby, you know, not to mention the three-year-old Philly races. We get really excited about the prospects that we bring to Louisville the first weekend in May. Yep, it's uh it's it's an awesome series. We were just talking about that. And um before we get started, I just wanted to ask Joe, what is your basic handicapping methodology? You know, the tools that you use, are you a pace guy? What's your what's your strategy? Well, I'm a big believer in focusing on whatever circuit or whatever track that uh you decide is in your wheelhouse. I mean, for me it's pretty much dictated by the fact that I work at Churchill Downs. I work in Kentucky. I follow the Kentucky circuit very closely. I wish I had an opportunity to follow Turfway a little bit more closely, but definitely focusing on Churchill, focusing on Ellis Park, focusing on Keeneland. And uh, I'm a big believer in the formulator, uh, not only for the statistics uh, that you can garner, from utilizing the software, but I'm a big believer in taking my own trip notes and track bias notes and horse notes, whether it be pedigree or otherwise, you know, mannerisms of of an individual horse. And I just think it makes my day-to-day handicapping a lot easier when I stay on top of those replays. So I would consider myself much more of a creative than a pure numbers guy. I think the numbers are the foundation, but you're looking for horses that 
can improve on their best number, horses that are heading in the right direction, or being able to oppose favorites that you think are heading in the wrong direction. So I'm definitely on the creative side. And, uh, you know, like everybody should be, the first inclination should be to try to beat the favorite if you can. But I also believe in uh, taking what the race gives you. And if that uh, happens to be the favorite, then so be it. All right. Chris, do you have any questions for Joe before we get started? Just one I think will be helpful for the listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with the fairgrounds course. There's on the main track, there's two finish lines. There's a, a shorter stretch line, finish line, and uh, you know the longer traditional finish line. Can you uh, tell everybody what distances use that short stretch? Because I think that comes into play in this sequence. It's just a mile. It's just the one mile distance. Uh, the races uh, end at the 16th pole. The mile and 70 and the mile and the 16th, which are the distances of the Silver Bullet Day and the LeCompte respectively. Those are, you know, the normal longer stretch finish line. And it's just like when you're handicapping Keeneland, man, you know, with the short stretch races, you got to move more on the turn than you normally would. So take that into consideration, not only when you're handicapping the card for Saturday or any other day at fairgrounds, but when you go back, if you're taking trip notes, short stretch mile versus uh, the longer stretch, mile and 70, mile and a 16th, you want to utilize that information also going forward. Okay, Great, well, thanks. we have limited time today, so we will get right into it. We're starting with the 10th race for the late pick five. We're going to do races 10 through 14. And the 10th race is a maiden special weight, a mile and 16th on dirt, purse of 65,000 for three-year-olds. Joe, why don't you get us started? Who do you like? Yeah, and I just want to make the point, too, that uh, we lower the takeout at fairgrounds on the pick five, which is very fan-friendly the way it should be, quite honestly. I've been fighting for it here for years to uh, 15%. It was 25% last year. Guys like you guys would say, man, I'd love to play the fairgrounds, but I just can't get involved. 25%, you know, take out on the pick five, 15%, three pick fives on this card. So uh, yeah, find uh, the horses that you like the best, try to take advantage of them. I gave a slight edge to presider in this race. I know he's run two bad races on the page, but I really like the one turn mile race at Churchill on September the 16th was almost 48 to one that day, was hung three wide, made a big move on the turn, got beaten neck. And the horse that ran third that day, Cyclone Mischief, if you notice in the past performance line, did come back to win his next race at uh, Keeneland, and then subsequently came back recently to win at uh, Gulfstream Park. And I think he's a legitimate Kentucky Derby prospect for Dale Romans. Presider hasn't raced since October at Keeneland, the workouts here at Fairgrounds are forward. Cherie does well with horses coming off the bench. You get uh, Javier Castellano aboard. I think this horse will show good enough tactical speed to be in a good stalking position throughout. I think some of the other maiden special weight races, and it's a loaded card for that uh, type of race, are stronger top to bottom than this race. So I think you got to go price shopping. Six to one on Presider uh, seems good enough to me. All right, and you may get a little bit more on Presider. Chris, what are you thinking here? I kind of like the way Joe's thinking. Um, uh, the Presider's had one really good race, you know, a neck away from breaking his maiden in a, a pretty solid field, and then two kind of miserable races. Uh, I always kind of like those horses, but there's reason to think the freshening will bring him back to top form, and and he might be the type that maybe he bled in, in some of those bad races and he gets Lasix for the first time. So I kind of like the thinking there. Um, I almost made him my top pick of the ones that have raced. I do like him, but I'm actually going to go for a first time starter, which is not typically my MO on these kind of races, especially when they start out going two turns. Um, but Kawhi Dan kind of caught my eye. Um, he... He's pretty well-bred. He's out of a, a nice mare by Quality Road, so he's definitely bred to go longer. And, you know, Asmussen's numbers aren't great first-time routing of, as a first-time starter, but you know, he can. He and Stone Street have done pretty well before, and they've done pretty well 
at the fairgrounds in the past for similar with similar kinds of horses. And what I like about his work pattern, he's got three gate drills. And so that tells me they're kind of serious about this. And he's been training with a horse that runs earlier in the card. Uh, I think in the fourth race, a horse named Curlin Serenade. It's one of the sprints. Um, and so I'll be watching that race because he's been training, you know, with that horse, you know, keeping up with that horse who's more of a sprinter type. And if that horse runs big, I think that would um, be a strong indicator that Kawhi Dan might be well meant in here. And like Joe said, there's not a, a horses that really scare you away in terms of the ones that have run. So maybe the first time starter, you know, might be the one that, that you want, uh, you know, to take in here and maybe, uh, who knows, it'll impress and we might see it in one of the uh, other races in this series uh, in the, you know, LeCompte, Grizzly Star, Louisiana Derby series down the road. Okay. Uh, I'm interested in both of your horses and I, I, I feel like I got to go deep in this race. Um, I am going to choose a second time starter on top and that is Briartown. He was bumped in his debut. He still ran. Okay. Uh, the trainer is not really known for his first time starters and he is, he does quite well with second time starters. And, uh, I looked him up second out sprinter route. He's nine for 72 with a 133 ROI. Not that great, but it does include, um, one of the winners was Mr. Wireless who runs later today, and he hit off that uh, that sequence, the sprint to route, at 19 to 1. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, looking at my sheets, I was noticing, before I, uh, before I even, you know, zeroed in on this race, I was just noticing that um, <clears throat> Brett Calhoun hits, he, he always improves his horses second time off a layoff. And, <clears throat> um, you know, basically, even if he doesn't win a lot, uh, <clears throat> second time out, he still, his horses do improve. So he also has a better five furlong workout since his debut. So, uh, so I will be using him. He'll be my top pick, but I have others. Um, and I'm sure you guys do too. So what else you got? Yeah. I mean, Joe, for me, in. and you mentioned this being a, you know, a spread race. I think mobster, the morning line favorite makes a lot of sense on form, but for pick five purposes, man, you really want to try to beat that horse. And, you know, the horse that, uh, that, that you picked, Chris, is a first-time starter. And the horse that you picked, uh, Scott, uh, ran maiden claiming 50 on debut. But that horse really galloped out nicely at the end of that race. And Calhoun showing some uh, confidence by putting this horse in a maiden special weight race on the big day. So you guys got a couple sneaky horses, I think. You know, baseline beater has had three terrible starts, three terrible trips. Been chasing this horse a little bit. Onasa is a half brother to Epicenter. He had a bullet workout on January 14th here at Fairgrounds, best of 88. And from what I've heard, uh, the chirp on the backstretch, you know, that was every bit as good as uh, the time indicates. Um, so many ways you can go single ruler was marooned in post 12 last time now puts the blinkers on you know banishing beat him coming out of that mobster race as well so this is this is a race where a lot of people are going to spread it would be nice if you had a strong opinion and you could kind of you know go against the flow or the grain so to speak of what everybody else is going to do which is going to be to spread it's just a matter of how spread how, how deep your bankroll is how deep you want to spread in this particular race and, you know, maybe catching a price that a lot of people don't have if they can only go two, three, or even four deep. Yeah, I, um, I agree this rate, you know, it's hard to eliminate horses in here, but just from betting the pick five, it's, this could be a really chalky sequence, especially on the back end, especially the way Brad Cox, his horses have been running at the meet. So, and this is the obvious spread race. I think if, you, if you're going to attack the pick five, you don't want to spread in here. You want to go against the crowd. This is where everyone's going to spread in this sequence. And they don't want to get knocked out in the first leg. I think this is where you make a stand and you, you go with maybe 2D, three at the most. You know, that's how I would bet it. 
um, just so that's just my input from a betting standpoint. I'm not going to disagree with anything any of you said about any of the other contenders, and I think you could you could talk about some others, but I'm not going to be throwing them all in and then you know having it chalk out afterwards. Um, even if you catch a price in here, it's not going to pay nearly as much as you think because this is the leg where everybody's spreading. So um, I'm going to, if I play it, it's I'm going to be tight and I'll probably have like Presider and Kawhi Dan and maybe one other horse. Okay, well, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more strategy at the end of the sequence. Uh, the next race is the 11th. It's the Duncan F. Kenner Stakes, five and a half furlongs on turf. First of 100,000, four-year-olds and up. And uh, um, I, I, I uh, well, we'll let Chris get us started. Yeah, I mean, my my hope is that this race stays on the turf. I mean, the we haven't talked about it, but the weather forecast isn't great. It looks like it could be raining on or off, on and off the entire day tomorrow. So, and the turf course has been kind of iffy all meet. So I don't know, Joe, what's your th thought? You know, chances of this horse this race being on the staying on the turf. Yeah, that's what, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's why I hesitated so much because I wasn't sure whether to ask that question before you went. But um, but yeah, Joe, what do you think? Well, from what I've been hearing is if we do get rain, we're going to do everything in our power at fairgrounds to run the two earlier races on the turf. This would be the first one to come off. You've got horses on the also eligible list that would uh, keep this field together pretty well and make it uh, a, a very competitive race, even if it does wash off the grass. And, you know, the turf course already with the rail 34 feet out, we've been running one race a day. Uh, a turf sprint is going to tear it up a lot more than a turf route would. So there's if there's rain and the forecast now is better than it has been all week. I mean, it looks like 60% chance and 60% chance of scattered. So we might not get anything or we might get a lot. I mean, it's New Orleans. You never really know. But just to throw that out there, of the three turf races, if you're doing serious handicapping, I would definitely handicap this as two separate races, a turf race and a dirt race. All right. Well, if, if this comes off, the turf and I think the sequence almost becomes unplayable because it's just going to be real obvious who who you like. Um, if it stays on the turf, I get kind of interested. I mean, because I really like a horse in here, the four horse Evan Singh. I've sang his praises before on this show in a race where he got scratched all out of the field at Kentucky Downs. Um, I keyed him in his last two and he had absolutely no hope rides in both races. And he got Lapa road uh, at Keeneland, just a, I don't know, a mindless ride. You get sometimes from Julian where he just drops out the back and just falls asleep. And then he comes flying late after the horse has no chance at all. Um, so I like the rider, you know, new rider, that long fairground stretch. Um, there seems like there's enough pace in here to make it honest. Um, I really think Evan Singh, I like him a lot. He's the one horse I really like in the sequence. If it comes off, you know, to me, the outside two horses are rich or entered, you know, basically surveillance and Bangor just entered in this race in case it comes off. Um, you know, they seem to be towering over the rest of the field if it comes off. So I'm really hoping it stays on. If it does, I like the four Evan Singh quite a bit. I've been saying one for one on the course and two for three of the distance. Joe, what do you got? My top pick is also Evan Singh uh, for all the reasons that, that Chris said. Comes back fresh for Al Stahl. Uh, I think Mike Delaberto does a good job with the morning line. He's got Anguston at three to one. The horse has only run one time since 2020 and happened to be a win. So he's a total wild card as to what he's going to do off the bench off another year and a half layoff. I agree. I'm hoping it stays on the turf because I, you know, second what you said earlier about the pick five sequence being a lot more playable. If it does, Evan sings six to one in the morning line. I think a lot of people are probably thinking the same way we are. I don't think that's a realistic 
morning line price if the race stays on the grass, depending on scratches, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that one as my top pick. I got another one that's a little bit sneaky, uh, but we'll wait till uh, we get it back to me on the, uh, on the reverse around. All right. Well, <clears throat> yeah, Chris, you're right about uh, the way this race is going to be played. I love Bango. Uh, I would like him even if it was on the turf. Uh, you know, he's only run once on the turf, and uh, I think you can toss that race. He, he's so much faster than these horses, and he's got a nice circle back pattern. Uh, so if it, I, I'm, I'm also guessing that this is going to be off the turf. So I would make Bango my top pick, and I know that's not he'll, – he'll be the favorite, so that's not really going out on a limb. Um, and if they stay on the turf and Bango doesn't get in, then I would take Evan Singh, who uh, is also circling back to his best number and is a fresh four-year-old. So, so Evan Singh for sure, but um, Bango if he runs. Yeah, and I'll agree with Joe. I don't think you get six to one. I try – I usually pick on the morning line at least once um, during the show. I try not to do it on every race, but yeah, I think that's being a little optimistic. Um, it'd be great if we could get six to one, but uh, I doubt that would happen. There is another horse that may pay, and that's if it stays on the turf that I, I would include. I like Evan Singh quite a bit, but the one Pyron who, if you look at his last four races, they're just horrible. And, and, uh, you know, based on that, you, you just chuck him. But, um, you know, he he was just rock solid before those last four races. Just every race he ran well, including at the fairgrounds on the turf. And then something obviously went wrong physically. He got eased in a race and they they just hung with him all summer and he never did run well. They finally gave him the time off he needs. So now he's been freshened up. And, um, you know, so he's off the layoff stalls, not bad off the layoff. You know, he shows a couple of good works and, you know, if he runs back to his consistently good races, he ran prior to something going wrong. Uh, you know, even though he's a seven-year-old, you know, he's come off, um, breaks before and run well. So to me, you know, maybe that, what went wrong is sort of kind of the, the beginning of the end for his career. But if it was just some issue that they've taken care of and he's ready off the bench, like he has been in the past, there's no reason why he couldn't win this race at a price. So Pyron, if it stays on the turf, you know, he he's run some on the dirt too, but I don't think he's fast enough to beat a horse like, you know, surveillance or bango on the dirt, but on the turf, you know, especially if he can save ground and then, you know, find a lane late, uh, I, I like him as a long shot. Joe, yeah, you said I mean, you had just, yeah, that was that was mine. That's a sneaky horse. I mean, Manny Wild ran one of the best races of his career on the turf, but he's chalk. Even Surveillance, if he draws in, actually started to get good sprinting on the turf, and he's won here at Fairground. So those two, and again, they're chalk, are logical. But you know, just to add to what Chris said about Pyron. That win in the Colonel Power in February of 2022 was one of the best races of his career. He was 20 to one and he beat Just Might that day. And Just Might was virtually unbeatable uh, at that point. He was winning, I think he won a bunch of races in a row or like six out of seven and was dominating a fairground. He was seven wide on the turn. He was in the six path in the deep stretch and Declan Carroll got him to win. Now Declan Carroll's back on the board, uh, back aboard. Maybe this horse needs Lasix. Uh, the race at Churchill was terrible. The Aristides on the dirt was terrible. The Colonial race wasn't bad. And then the strange thing off of those three bad races, he gets bet down to the favoritism in a field of 12 at Kentucky Downs. How and why? I mean, so he runs terrible there, but a lot of horses run terrible there. It's Kentucky Downs. Now he's freshened up. So you know, just adding to, you know, a lot of the things you already said, this is a horse that I don't think many people are at all are going to use in the multi-race wagers. So if this horse were to win, this could be a, this could be the separator horse you're looking for. Yeah. And I hmm. kind of poo-pooed his chances in the, in the, if it's on the dirt, but he has have some pretty good sloppy track form. So who knows, even if it, you know, stays, if it goes off and it's sloppy, uh, and 
you know, the favorites don't take to the the off going. You know, he has an outside shot, but I, I definitely like him more if it stays on the turf. Okay, let's move to the twelfth race. It is the Silver Bullet Day, a mile and seventy yards, purse of one hundred fifty thousand for three year old fillies. Joe, your turn to get us started. So, Chop Chop is obvious, and it's going to be an obvious single for a lot of people that are playing on smaller budget tickets. And from all reports I'm getting from the camp and the clockers, she's training great. She's by far the horse to beat. You know, she got Rosario'd in the uh, the juvenile Phillies. She was six wide the entire way around, and you can just throw that race out. I will say Forest Chimes, that's uh, that's a horse I'm going to pick publicly as a top selection. You know, Jason Barkley winning with a first-time starter, and she looked good doing it. And it was on and off track. It was a sealed good track. And, you know, she didn't have the most comfortable trip. She responded on the turn. She was six wide. You watch the replay. She just kind of bounded home under a, a loose, mild hand ride and, I really like the way she galloped out. So much tougher task, but I think she's a viable alternative to Chop Chop. The Alice look is what she is. She's okay. I mean, I think the winner has to come from one of those three. So how you want to play it in the pick five is kind of sort of up to you. But Force Chimes is going to be uh, the horse that I'm utilizing for my top pick. Okay, Force Chimes. One by seven or so lengths, and then galloped out huge. Chris, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much exactly on the same page with Joe. The one thing I would say about Chop Chop is the running style's not real conducive to playing a, a odds-on favorite. I mean, you typically don't want, don't like horses on the dirt coming from way out of it. Um, this is a smaller field, which helps, plus an off track. May not be the best thing for that horse. So, and then finally, I'm sure their aspirations are greater than this race with this horse this year. So I don't think this horse is going to be fully cranked up for this. So, you know, I think there are reasons to think she might not win. I think she's the best horse. But, and then, you know, for me, I'm always about upside and forest chimes. Clearly the upside horse has some good breeding too. Top decile was a, I think ran first or second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies one, and and that's that's the the mother of Forest Chimes and horse looked really good and it's tough to win first asking going two turns on the dirt. It's the first time this barn has ever done that, um, so uh, I think there's still a lot of upside. And from a breeding standpoint, you you don't know it until they run in it. But this horse is really bred like an off track top and bottom so um to me and through that outside post so it can stay out of trouble even maybe if it if it doesn't break perfectly or anything so i don't know i i would have to go that direction you gotta beat some cox in at least one of these next three and probably two to get any kind of payoff which is why i was hinting that you don't want to spread too much in that first leg you know, so maybe this is one of the places you could beat Chop Chop, um, you know, one of the Coxes. So, but the, the horses, she's a nice filly. Uh, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to join you guys with Forest Chimes. She won her debut easily against all experienced horses and did gallop out many lengths farther. So she's my top pick. I am against Chop Chop, and you know one other thing, one other reason to go against her is that in that race where the Alcibiades, where she almost got up to win, she was riding an extreme closer bias, which uh, came into play on Breeders' Cup Day because um, she ended up being favored, and Wonder Wheel was like five to one, and was uh, had held the lead on the uh, during. You know, one wired them with the closer bias. So uh, so, so that was like a, a good racing flow upgrade and downgrade there. Um, so I, I think this is an opportunity to, to go against the favorite. And um, I'm interested also in the alley's look because Brian Cox is so hot and also Amber Cascade. They both have numbers that are similar to the top pick and not, bet, not much slower than Chop Chop. 
so I'd probably go three deep in this race. Yeah, I'll just mention uh, to me, I mean, again, uh, four chimes, chop, chop, maybe the Alice look uh, who is kind of the horse. We know, we know what she is. I don't know how much upside she has moving forward. Pretty mischievous who won the untappable is a nice Philly. Uh, she got, you know, beaten pretty badly to Hoosier Philly at, uh, at Churchill in her two turn debut. But, you know, right now she's one of the top Kentucky Oaks prospects and we really don't know how good um, Hoosier Philly is. Hopefully we get to see her. She is uh, training here at fairgrounds. Hopefully we get to see her in the Rachel Alexandra here next month. If you just say to yourself, I don't like chop chop for the reasons that you gave Scott, and you don't believe in forest chimes that uh, Jason Barkley can bring her back and that she can run as well as she did on debut, then at least the Alice look is consistent. Don't like anybody else. I mean, I'd be really surprised if any of these other horses won. So, you know, forest chimes, chop, chop, maybe the Alice look, but uh, I, I wish I had something more creative and a bigger price. I just don't. That's okay. Four shots, four to one. Uh, that would be that would be a nice uh, nice play. Yeah, yeah and in the, the pick five. Yeah, when I, I think in the pick five though, actually, you know, Chop Chop's probably gonna it's eight to five in the morning line, but she'll probably be four to five or three to five in here, maybe even lower. Who knows? That she got she was the favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, so they're gonna pound her. Um, so if you can beat her in the in the pick five, you're going to get some value. Um, there's no doubt. Even if Forest Chimes, you know, four to one doesn't sound like that much. It's a small field. But if 90 percent of the pick five money plus is going through Chop Chop, you get some value if you can beat her. Yeah, let's do it. Let's beat her. <laughs> All right. Um, after we beat her, we're going to go into the 13th race, which is the <laughs> Louisiana Stakes. A mile on the 16th on dirt, purse of 150000 for four-year-olds and up. And we'll have Chris get us started on this one. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's almost a replay of the last race. You got a couple of Brad Cox horses that are going to be favored, I think, in here. All, at least one of them will be Zozos. And he's a good horse. I mean, there's no, no doubt about it. And he's, you know, a classic. We've talked about this a lot on the pod, the second off a layoff four-year-old that you know kind of got rushed along the triple crown trail uh you know the derby he didn't actually run too bad at all given the way that race and full and derby but you know it knocked him out but they gave him a long time off and they brought him back and we see this all the time you know this is where he should run a career best race is second off a layoff um as a four-year-old and in a good barn so I think he's a legit favorite, and I think his stable mate is solid. I, I I know that there's a horse in here some people try to make a case for, and I tried to myself, but this is probably the the leg where I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the chalk um, and not try to beat them, and I'll go with the two Cox horses um, in the pick five, and with Zozo's probably the the more likely of the two, but I'll talk about the other one if somebody else doesn't already before it comes back around to me. Okay, Zozos uh, has uh, a, a very nice record and is probably going to get hammered, and he's not the fastest horse, so it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. Joe, what do you got? Well, just to add to what you guys said about Zozos, uh, that the day that he won was a significantly inside bias at uh, fairgrounds, which inside bias, you know, obviously means speed because speed gets to the rail. And this horse was three wide, four wide, five wide, and still beat a pretty decent horse in treasury who was loose on the lead that day. So uh, that speaks to a Zozos running legitimate off the bench and then maybe even being better for this race. Brad wasn't going to run him in this race, but uh, he was basically telling him, you need to run me. So that's why he's in here. And he's also got Forza de Oro. I don't think Happy American gets the respect he deserves. He just missed in the Tenacious last year to Chess Chief, who is no longer, you know, the same horse. He's back in this race again. And the Churchill race, 
you know, he just missed behind Farmington Road. It was a big bomb. Run Classic, who's back in here. And Neil Pesson really loves winning races at fairgrounds. I mean, he he loves New Orleans like no other trainer. And the goal was a tenacious second off the layoff. And the goal was to have this horse good enough to run in the New Orleans Classic at the end of the meet. The last race is kind of interesting to watch visually because he had a little bit of an uncomfortable trip and the racetrack, you know, may have favored horses coming from off the pace a little bit, but he made the lead way earlier than he ever does in his career. This is normally a horse that has to get up right inside the 16th pole or even right at the wire. This horse made the lead earlier than he ever does. And I think he got bored, distracted, he was drifting about in the stretch. And even James said it to me in the winner's circle after the race. He's like, man, he didn't know what to do. Like he made the lead too early. Uh, reports about the way he's trained coming out of the race are that he's trained better than he went than he was going into that tenacious. The pace is going to be honest here. You've got, you know, run classic, almost forced to go from the inside. You've got, uh, Forza de Oro, who's going to show some speed. you got Mr. Wireless, who's got that outside post again. I think the pace will be legitimate enough. We've never seen Happy American in the slop, so I don't know what he's going to do if the racetrack comes up sloppy. I mean, you, you almost have, another, have to have another discussion based on the way the track is playing because it could be inside speed favoring, which would you know, lessen his chances significantly. But I think he's four to one in the morning line. And I think even though he won the local prep, the tenacious, I don't think he's going to get the respect he deserves. So uh, happy American is going to be my top pick. I like it. And, you know, the, the odds, the odds all seem pretty low on these horses and uh, some of them have to drift up and happy American might be one of those. Um, I'm actually, yeah, you know, I was searching for a price here. I I did look at Zozo's last race, and you know, uh, the second off the layoff is a four-year-old, powerful, but you know he's 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 going to be he's going to be bet like it's a given that he's going to run that gigantic race, and I think there's a chance that he won't um, he won't you know he won't be able to deliver because there are several horses that have run many times faster than he has. Um, <clears throat> one of those horses. That is, I think, has some hidden form. Is Intrepid Heart. He ran his best race ever four races ago. In his last, he had a very awkward start, so you can completely toss that race. And in the race before that, he ran in the slop. With those two efforts obscuring his form, I think you can get a solid price on him. I I I can't imagine that he's as low as eight to one as he is in the morning line. I think he'll be, you know, more like fifteen to one, and um, he'll be my top pick. I don't disagree with what you're saying about the price. He's going to probably, even with Cy as a board. And I've talked to Joe Sharp about this horse because this horse has suffered some heartbreaking defeats. He's a victim of the whip rule, according to what uh, Joe has told me. I think uh, it may be a little bit more lax here at Fairgrounds than it is in Kentucky. I think here it's six overhand strikes, but, you know, the taps don't count against you. So maybe uh, Louis Sias can you know, finesse that rule a little bit. The blinkers going back on is a given because he just didn't run, you know, his race at all last time, despite the slow start, he just was never involved even in the stretch sneaky uh, pick by you, Scott. I mean, there's reasons to think he's going to run back to his best. Now is his best fast enough to outfinish happy American in the stretch that remains to be seen, but price dependent, he's going to be three or four times the price of that one. Yeah, and I think you made a good observation, Scott. Um, Zozos is not going to get bet like Chop Chop, but Zozos is going to be less than three to one. And the other horses in the race, most of them will probably be higher than the morning line. So, I, I mean, and some at the, the upper end of the spectrum could be much higher. So I, I think you could get a good price on it, Intrepid Heart. And even Happy American probably floats up above that four to one. So I think both you guys... You know, you'll get better prices in the morning line on those horses. Joe mentioned the track being off. That's another thing I think that's in Zozo's favor. Munnings is a probably of the the younger sires, probably the best mud sire there is. So I there's no reason to think 
Sozos won't, if anything, do better on the off track than the fast track. But the other Brad Cox, Forza Dioro, will love the off going. I mean, he crushed in his last track race over a muddy track, and he's by Spitestown, who I, I said repeatedly is the best mud sire out there. So, and he's interesting because he's second off the layoff for Brad Cox, first, you know, in the Cox barn. So, uh, and he's been one who's always kind of showed real talent, but never had that breakthrough race. So, you know, this could be the time, you know, Brad Cox at the fairgrounds, second time Cox, second off the layoff, could catch a sloppy track, you know, that he could freak um, in here. So to me, yeah, you can say, well, both these horses, there's other horses that have run just as fast, but I think they're both poised to run huge races and they're both by a trainer who wins about half the time um, he he enters races at fairgrounds. So this is the one where I'm not going to try to beat Brad Cox. Um, he sounds like you guys are, and good luck. If you do, I'll probably lose. Although I may play a backup ticket, but my goal will be to beat Cox in, you know, at one or two legs. So maybe I do t- toss in a backup with some of the horses you guys like. But uh, this is the one where I'm going to chalk out. Right now, I know we're limited on time, so I will just add that I will also be using Mr. Wireless Zozos in a ticket without other favorites, and uh, I also like Forza Diora. The last race in the sequence is the 14th. It's the LeCompte, Grade Three, Mile Sixteenth on Dirt, purse of two hundred thousand for three-year-olds. Joe, how do we end this? Well, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, you've got a little bit of speed with Echo again. Bromley stretching out should be forward. Confidence game is going to be forward. We don't know yet if Tappet's Conquest is going to stay in this race or go in that really salty ninth race allowance. He is cross-entered. Word on the street is that he's going to go in the allowance. Uh, Brad Cox talking to him on Friday morning. He told me he remains non-committal. I think, and I, I told this to Brad himself, that he's got 11 horses in Kentucky Derby future wager pool number three. He's going to try to get as many horses in the Derby as he can. I think Instant Coffee might be his seventh best three-year-old. So if he can get 20 points for Instant Coffee in this race, he's going to get him closer to the Kentucky Derby starting gate. He will need to earn that many more points. I'm thinking, you know, 40 would be about you know, the top to get into the top 20, you know, there's more points now with uh, with the top five being awarded Derby points. So that's what I'm thinking. I think if he do, does go with Cap Tappet's conquest in the allowance race, you really got to pay attention to that horse in that race. You know, that being said, it took me a while to get to my top pick, but I like two fills and I like them quite a bit. If you watch the breeders futurity was eliminated in the first turn. He was bothered badly. He was six wide. He lost position. He rushed up. He was ranked. You you can't hold that race against that horse. Then he had a similar start in the street sense at Churchill. He was bounced around at the start. But after he got bounced around, uh, Jared Ludbury put him in position. The horse relaxed very nicely. And he took over and turned on the turn in a blink while still in hand. Now, he was on the wrong lead in the stretch, but he galloped out great. So... That leads me to believe that uh, there's more to give with this horse. That, ha- that race happened to be in the slop. Talked to Larry on the phone the other day. He said, man, I'd love if it rained. And you look at the horse and you're like, man, this horse is going to close. He's going to be in a stocky position. The Colonial and the Canterbury sprint races, he's up on the lead, 44 and 3, 45 and 2. And I know, uh, you know, the racetracks are really fast those particular days and you know it's not as fast maybe as it looks but he's up near or on the lead in sprints this horse should be in a great stalking position behind what i think is going to be a legitimate pace from the outside post he should be able to avoid the kickback it's already proven in the slop his workouts at hawthorne from what i'm hearing were awesome and hawthorne's a deep taxing kind of racetrack he's been here on the grounds for a couple weeks now getting acclimated he's got to work over the track here at fairgrounds i mean <laughs> i like this horse a lot quite honestly four to one Ravelli's not necessarily a household name you know when it comes to these three-year-old races he's never had a horse in the derby 
I think there's a pretty good chance we'll get four to one, and uh, and I'll take it. All right. If you're out of the pick five, you can hammer two fills to win, and it can be your get out race for the day. Chris, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with uh, Joe on two fills. I think, you know, that rate, he has had the big win, the slop. It did look like he just kind of lost focus mid stretch, and then he, they kind of got his, they got his attention, the rider got his attention, and, and he kicked it back in and did gallop out really well. So it, he was a little goofy mid, mid stretch in that race, but you know, I, I think, you know, he, from a distance standpoint, there wasn't any issues. And, um, and he may get, he could float up above that price. Although if we're all, if we all are picking him, who knows, maybe not. But, um, you know, I'll be interested to see what they do with Tappet's Conquest. I, I was going to ask Joe what the word on the street was, because that horse seems to be kind of goofy mentally, but very talented. Um, these Tappets, Colts, though I've seen a lot of them with a lot of talent, never really realize it because they never get, ungoofy so it'll be interesting to watch this one going forward but it's been training with verifying who came back and ran really big in you know its last race so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one if they do scratch and run in that uh, other race you know i think that horse will be a heavy favorite there but um i'll go with two fills hope that the price maybe floats up a little bit and they, and they bet the um the cox horses but if tap its conquest scratches then probably the price comes down on everybody so we'll have to wait and see what happens there all right well this race may prevent me from playing the pick five because i think you kind of have to go deep in it um there it's hard to distinguish these horses hard to toss many of them i did make as my top pick echo again he ran fast in his debut then ran a clunker going two turns for the first time <clears throat> In his last, he rushed up to get the lead from the rail, held gamely when passed, and forged on to be a solid third. I, I really got the feeling maybe this is just a preconceived notion, but he had the look of needing that race. I thought he looked pretty good in the stretch, even though he did get passed. You know, it was off of freshening. And uh, that was his second time going two turns. It equaled on the sheets. It equaled his debut race, which was fast. I think he could go forward today under a patient rider. Hopefully, you know, he won't be rushed up to the lead. Uh, but even if he is, I think he's got a shot. So Echo again, top pick for me. Yeah, funny thing about this horse, he was like the steam horse of the summer at Saratoga, and he won it three to five. And there's a running line that's missing there. It was a race at Churchill that was declared a no contest where Echo again was involved early in the race and he was sitting second under a hammer lock against the good field. And he was not going to lose that day. And uh, they declared it uh, a non-starter. Travis Stone had to make the announcement. The riders had to pull up. Uh, a jockey got tossed out of the starting gate and was still on the track. Uh, in, you know, in the, what would have been the stretch run had those horses turned for home. So you don't see that running line uh, in there. That was in November. So when you say needed the race, he had kind of sort of run uh, in a normal pattern. It's just not showing. Braghawks loves a giant mischief who ran second. And, you know, he probably would have won if he had a better start. The horse that won that race is a local. He's four for six. But I thought he looked pretty good winning it. So, you know, again, if it's sloppy and it's an inside speed track, man, Echo against chances improved significantly. And hopefully we know that before this late sequence begins. Yeah, you know, um, that, to me, that last race was kind of disappointing at Remington Park. I mean, that uh, I thought he was going to, uh, going into that, I expected him to be, you know, th we'll find out what we've got with Echo again. Is he the steam horse or is he the one that's run clunkers? And, you know, I came out of that with kind of a negative opinion. The, I was interested in this race. If it ends up being a speed favoring sloppy track, they've got to go from the rail. But um, I, I, you know, Asterix did this with Epicenter last year after he got beat um, on the front end. He, you know, tried to get the horse to rate. And that might be the game plan in here. See if he can 
if he can set off the lead and finish. Um, I, that's kind of what I thought they'd try to do, but you know, the, the track condition might dictate otherwise, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see Tyler Gaffleon grab this horse early and try to set off the pace because there does seem to be some other you know, front runners and this horse didn't finish off that race very well his last time. So, um, you know, I think maybe a, a change in tactics wouldn't be a shock at all to me, but I, that's just speculation on my part. I haven't heard the trainer say anything like that. Yeah, he was hard ridden on the turn. He kind of vacated the rail uh, that day too, which I, I found interesting. So I don't know if he's got distance limitations or not. I know with Epicenter, you know, he lost this race last year to call me midnight, a big long shot. And, you know, he was still a front running type going into, you know, the risen star. And then, you know, he showed a new dimension in the Louisiana Derby and then closed from mid pack in the Kentucky Derby. So it'll be interesting. This is a good race That ninth race too. that allowance that I alluded to. That's got some risen star, Louisiana Derby, Kentucky Derby prospects in there as well. So from a handicapping perspective, fun card, Wagering perspective, you know, I agree with you guys. You got to try to beat some of the favorites uh, in this sequence to try to make it worth your while. But I think we we've done that by, you know, talking through these races. And I don't know. I appreciate the conversation. So uh, thanks for having me on. Yes, and I would like to thank our guest, Joe Christofek. Joe, thanks for handicapping with us. Yeah, appreciate it. That ninth race too. Watch out uh, for banishing that 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 horse for Brendan Walsh. You know, they, they love that horse. That horse could not have been any more impressive than he was last time. You know, he's two to one morning line favorite, but just from a fan perspective, that's going to be a really fun race to watch and looking forward to getting the ball rolling. Hopefully mother nature uh, is kind to us uh, during the course of the day, but can't control mother nature. So we'll, uh, we'll play whatever's in front of us and enjoy it either way. And I wish you guys the best of luck. Okay, that will conclude show number 209 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck at fairgrounds and wherever else you play. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Giddy up. <laughs> <laughs>